Welcome to Mystic Grace Podcast Number 8. The 8, the number 8, the symbol for infinity. Here I am, near Washington, D.C., right outside of Washington, D.C., in Virginia, and I am at a super, super recording studio called Bach to Rock, and Brandon is my engineer, and I am so grateful for him today. He really knows what he's doing. He's a pro at Pro Tools, and I really appreciate that. So I would like to dedicate this podcast to my father, actually, who passed in 2014, and he died um, April, April 14th uh, in 2014. We have Father's Day coming up, and something very cool happened, and I wrote a story about it, and I would like to record the story for this podcast number eight. I named it the crossword puzzle, or actually number 26. And the story goes like this. My father loved crossword puzzles. This was a daily, early morning ritual performed with great joy and concentration. If I happened to stop by for a visit during puzzle time, he would tell me to sit down in the old slider rocker near the window. Sit there where it's warm in the sun, he would say. Oh, and by the way, do you happen to know what the Latin phrase is for time flies? I think it's tempus fugit, Dad. Hey, that fits. Thank you. Time indeed would slip away while we shared the latest news, listened to his stories, and took in the panoramic view of the Mystic River. It felt good to share the river with him and all of the wildlife. My father loved birds and would grab his binoculars to get a closer look at them. The puzzle was priority, however, and it needed to get done. He just needed a little help, that's all. His name was Jack, nicknamed Happy Jack, and he would sit next to the large picture window, working his puzzle, waving to joggers, and ask me to heat up his coffee. Please. He was 86, still living at home, and much to his regret, needed daily home care. His health had deteriorated a lot, and he had to give up his driver's license. How he missed that freedom to come and go just as he pleased, to not have to ask anyone for anything. His spirit was always willing to go, but he was not such a happy jack anymore. My siblings and I took our turns and chauffeured him around. Unless the weather was bad, he was always up for a ride. We did our best to get him to relax and just enjoy them. If I was five minutes late picking him up, he would spout the old same cliché. Glancing at his watch, which he did a thousand times a day, he would proclaim, You'll be late for your own funeral. My father wanted so much to live, and yet he knew that his time was short. He would look at his watch every hour and would bargain with God every day to keep him going. He was thankful in that respect, 
and we would all be amazed at how strong his spirit was, which would indeed grant him another month, another week, and then it came down to another day. Jack was a big man with extraordinary willpower to match. He was used to being in the driver's seat, and instinctively he fought for control. Okay, Dad, if you grab the steering wheel one more time, you can count me out for any more rides. The first time that he did that, he scared the heck out of me, so I learned how to yell back at him. It frightened me more than it did him. I had to teach myself a new way to be with him, to love him with a greater forbearance and outwit him when I got the chance. That brought us both to new levels of communication and then to a greater appreciation of each other's character and ultimately to our true love for one another. What's a five-letter word for forgiveness? Sorry? Sorry, Dad, that you were not able to walk on your own anymore, that you had to be on oxygen 24-7, and that your spirit was so willing, but your body was not going to follow, no matter what. Sorry that you were so very unhappy with your life's situation and that you were anything but peaceful. My younger sister Claire was the main caregiver for our father. Her devotion proved to be unshakable as she became his lifeline. It wasn't the medical alert button that my father pushed when he found himself on the floor. It was my sister Claire's phone number. And he called her all the time, day or night, for any reason at all that he could think of. My brother Jimmy and I helped as much as we could. Other siblings and devoted friends would fill in. Jack was very demanding, and there were times when no one really wanted to be around him. The last three years of his life were very challenging, and yet sometimes so hilarious that when we shared our stories with one another, we would laugh and wonder what would happen next as we tried so very hard to fulfill his endless needs and desires. What's the six-letter word for gratitude? Thanks. Thank you, Dad, for the lessons of love, of patience, and forgiveness, for the tremendous gift of being with you right to the end. I'm sorry that you lost your independence and had to fight so hard to keep going. I tried to help you find some peace. We all did. As the end of his life approached, Jack struggled with everything and everyone. He was not ready to let go of his familiar world, and we needed more help. Hospice was called in to assist. We also needed someone who would sleep at the house, someone who we could trust, who would be as tough as he was, but also loving and kind. I called my goddaughter and niece, Stephanie. She arrived immediately and took up residency right beside her grandfather for almost three weeks. She was happy to do so and welcomed the opportunity to be back home with us in Mystic, Connecticut. They were a perfect match. 
She, with her no-nonsense attitude, great love for her Irish grandfather, and handy iPhone, which would serve as a quick reference dictionary for the daily crossword puzzle. My father would be amazed at this and would end up finishing his puzzle in half the time. We all relied on Stephanie's great sense of humor. She had taken on the burden of our father's suffering both physically and emotionally. Her efforts to keep up with his demands and keep him comfortable kept us all laughing because he was so spirited. Neither one of them slept at night. Sometimes I would stay late with my niece and fall asleep on the couch. There was a great deal of spiritual phenomena happening in the house, especially during the night. My father was not a quiet man, and he talked and yelled most of his life, even when he was sleeping. Now nighttime became a time of spirited conversations, but not with us. Dad had worked most of his life as a lineman for the power company until his retirement. He was still working late at night when we heard him talking and laughing, shouting orders to his crew. Pull those wires tighter. Get off that pole before you electrocute yourself. No, no, not ready yet. I'm not leaving my house. Then there would be other times when he would shout out in desperation, I'm ready, Lord. Come and get me. I was half asleep, dreaming on the old sunken couch in the living room, when I heard Stephanie walk quietly to the big picture window. It was early morning, almost light. I mumbled something, aware of her presence, and then I heard a great noise of some kind, like rolling thunder. What is that? I asked in alarm. Stephanie, who was staring out of the window, exclaimed, Wow, that big yellow bus is really flying. What? What did you say? It's a big yellow school bus coming down the road, and it's coming really fast, she answered. I flew off the couch, instantly awake, and watched in disbelief as the big yellow bus flew by the house and disappeared up the river road within seconds. Before it did, however, I saw that it had lights all around the top of it, like the inside of a limousine. I knew it was the angel bus that I had seen in my dream. My God, Stephanie, your grandfather just missed his bus. What's an eight-letter word for happy hunting grounds? Eternity. For several years now, I have worked as an intuitive healer and therapist. I was called to the spiritual healing world many years ago, and trained myself to listen very carefully to spiritual guidance. I am also an ordained interfaith minister. So for me, it was not easy to communicate with a parent who was dying and did not wish to hear about life after death. I would try to convince my father that we humans are divine, eternal beings, and that we don't really die And his reply would always be, How the heck would you know? Have you been over there recently? Although my father grew up in the Roman Catholic faith, he and my mother had ventured out of the church long ago and found great companionship in another community of close friends.
they founded their own spiritual group in partnership with one another and their own connection to God. My father still called it his church. What his true beliefs were about God, I did not really know. He was always folding his hands, though, and asking the dear Lord to keep him breathing for another day and thanking him for his family. He would also talk to Patricia, our mother, who had died 19 years before, and when we took him to visit her grave, he would rap on the headstone and tell her, Move on over, honey, I'm coming in. Somewhere along this road of never-ending struggle for my father and for all of us, the number 26 kept coming to mind. I knew that it was directly related to my father and possibly his death. I would see that number on license plates, restaurant bills, lotto tickets, and even heard it on the radio. It was so strong an intuition that I kept thinking and wondering, did he have 26 weeks left to live or would it be the 26th day of the month? I had no other clues and it drove me to distraction, but how could I predict the future? I had even discussed it with other intuitive friends, which made for interesting conversations, but no real solution. Then I would just forget about it until something happened like a quarter and a penny falling out of Dad's pocket. After my niece flew back to her own family, we had to hire a replacement. This was an arduous task as we wanted to continue the meticulous care that she had provided for him all along. Jack was in between worlds and being closely monitored in the human one. We tried so hard to keep him comfortable while at the same time maintain our own balance. To me, he seemed so very afraid of dying, and I felt terribly sorry for him. We were blessed to find two young professional caregivers that liked our father very much and did not mind his rebellious spirit. How we all missed our beloved Stephanie, though. Her grandfather missed her most of all. They took the night shifts when Jack seemed to be the most restless and where things were happening in the house. These angel caregivers were not afraid of death or spiritual intervention, and they would compare their nighttime notes with one another and with some of the other family members who were open to spiritual phenomenon. I really loved the story about the curtains. The caregiver would close the curtains to the French doors leading out to the backyard, only to find them pulled open again after midnight. These were the same doors that my mother's spirit had escaped through when she died in 1995, blasting them open during a snowy December winter day. Finally, the day before Jack died, I discovered that one of the caregivers was 26 years old and that she and my father shared the same birthday on December the 23rd. I thought, this must be it. This must be the divine connection between the number 26 and my father's death. She had already told me that she had a strong feeling that he would die on her watch and it would be before Easter Sunday. When the call came, I rushed back over to my father's house 
with my sister Claire immediately following in together with our beautiful 26-year-old caregiver friend, we said prayers, our final goodbyes, and I anointed him with sacred oils. Soon after, a nurse from hospice came to legally pronounce him dead. We all sat together around the kitchen table and shared our last stories. After the others left, Claire and I found ourselves standing in our father's bedroom staring at him. Claire said that she had never seen him so still. We just couldn't believe that it was over, and even swore that the blanket on top of him had moved a little. I wonder if he'll give us a sign, I said. I was thinking of him on the other side already and hoping that he had made it okay. When the funeral director came to take his body, our father wasn't out of the house for more than a few minutes when another car came zipping up the driveway in the dark. Claire and I looked at each other wondering who this could be. It was the paper boy delivering Monday's newspaper. When the young man handed it to me, I told him that Jack had died during the night. He offered his condolences and asked whether we still wanted the paper delivered. I didn't know what to say. It was too soon. I tossed the paper on the kitchen table and then immediately thought, Hey, I wonder if Dad put a sign in the crossword puzzle. I snatched the newspaper off the table and found the puzzle. And there it was, the real sign, the message that I had been waiting for. Number 26. Claire, I shouted, it's here. Here it is. He did it. Look. Number 26 across. Peaceful. Number 26 down. Jack blank could eat no fat. Peaceful. Jack, how magnificent. Thank you, dear God, for helping me finish this puzzle. And to you, Dad, for the gift of your life. And that story is a true story. Number 26. And that newspaper had been made up, that puzzle had been made up before my father died. So there you go. The Infinity Number 8, Podcast Number 8. Thank you very much. And signing off from Washington, D.C.